I say Animagus, you say Animagus. Let's claw the whole thing off. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for animal people. Literal animal people. I thought you'd come and help your friend. Your father would have done the same for me. Brave of you not to run for a teacher. I'm grateful. It will make everything much easier. If you want to kill Harry, you'll have to kill us too. You'll have to kill all three of us. There'll be only one murder here tonight. I'm Heather Price Wright. And I'm Alex Dallenberg. Hi there, guys. How are you doing? How are you doing, Alex? I feel pretty good. It was a rough weekend, kind of. I It was a good weekend, but we like saw way more people than we normally see. So I'm feeling a little haggard today. A little haggard? A little haggard today. You're hungover, Harry. Yeah, too, <laughs> too much fire whiskey, I think. <laughs> uh, well, here we are making an episode of The Quibbler. This week's chapters are appropriately doozies. They are Cat, Rat, and Dog. And Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. In case it wasn't clear, we are still in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We're almost done with this book. Things are getting bananas. In this podcast, especially this week, you will hear cursing and spoilers. Big ol' pizza spoilers. You will also hear some adult themes. This week's adult themes are Ankle Biters monologues, bioengineering, gone awry, frenemies, and cliffhangers. Big old cliffhanger. Oh yeah, the end of this chapter, or the end of this set of chapters is like, oh my god, what the fuck is gonna happen next? Fucking Snape, just like snaping in up in there all slimy and snaky. What up, motherfuckers? Yeah. What happened this week? Everything happened this week. So this week's chapters start out with Harry, Ron, and Hermione reeling from the execution of Buckbeak, the Hippogriff. So Scabbers is going crazy. We realize this is because Crookshanks has appeared out of nowhere, and then so does the motherfucking Grimm, who immediately proceeds to attack Ron. Ron is like, why am I being dragged into this? I don't know what is actually going through. What's actually going through Ron's head is probably, holy shit, there's a big giant dog attacking me. So there's a dog fight, basically. Uh, In the scuffle, they realize that they've ended up in the shadow of the Whomping Willow. So the dog fight extends into a tree fight. Yep. There's like branches flying everywhere. Pe- people are getting like pummeled with switches and pokey leaves, I imagine. I don't just Fighting like, with a tree sounds unpleasant. Just leaf lash or whatever. <laughs> so just general chaos. In the scuffle, Ron is dragged into a hole near the base of the Whomping Willow by the Grim. Ron's like, this bites. Uh... <laughs> jokes and harry and hermione are like we gotta go after him not let's get a teacher because harry realizes that it's one of the passages that leads to hogsmeade but it's the one that nobody's ever gone into because there is a murder tree planted over it in the chaos crookshanks runs up to like a what is it like a little just like a little knob on the tree and touches it with his paws and the tree stops going apeshit so they're able to slide down into... I, it's not like a hole in the tree, is it? It's just kind of like a burrow or something in the bait. I don't... I don't... Whatever. The logistics of it aren't that important. But they go down into the tree hole and walk for a long time. How far is Hogsmeade from I Hogwarts? think a couple of miles. Okay. It always so seems like, like they're walking for like almost an hour. It's like a fair amount of time underground. Yeah. Uh, so anyway... They had there in hot pursuit of the Grim and who's just dragging Ron for I guess three miles, like, <laughs> and they end up inside the Shrieking Shack, which is like the set of a horror movie. There's like peeling paper on the walls and 
everything's really fucking dusty and ripped up. And Hermione's like, ghosts did not do this. That's such a good horror movie line. <laughs> Hermione looks around and like fucking sharp as attack. She sees all the furniture that's just like smashed to smithereens and she's like, yo, this was not ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what you know about ghosts, but they cannot smash couches. Clearly there was a seventh year party here <laughs> at some point. It's actually just like Fred and George's <laughs> like, like party drink. pad. <laughs> It's like, everybody, party at the Shrieking Shack. The old that would actually house, be yeah. sick. Just clubbing. Dude, Fred and George would throw such a good Shrieking Shack party. Just raves. Dang, dude. Okay, anyway, go on. Uh, anyway. It's like awesome, <laughs> awesome fan fiction idea. Party at the Shrieking Shack. So anyway, they run upstairs where they hear Ron. And Ron is on like a four-poster bed with yeah, his like leg who, all mangled, I we'll, guess. We'll get to this later, but like, who, did... Did Dumbledore, like, fucking queer wizard for the ghost shack, <laughs> does that, like, did he interior decorate the, like, monster house? I know, it's, like, there's four posters everywhere. No, I don't but know. they like say really it's, like, in. a magnificent four poster. Like, it's a particularly nice bed, and yeah. it's, like, Dumbledore and or Flitwick were, like, now that we've got it, you may as well make it cute AF. I don't know. I think it's just a four poster because that's like kind of gothic looking and. Uh, no, but it says magnificent. magnificent. Like it's a nice bed. All right, fair enough. It's like a beautiful bed. It doesn't matter. I'm just imagining so, Dumbledore being like, I bought this house. I may as well put cute shit so in it. So Ron is sprawled out and doubled over in pain from his. His leg has been broken in this whole struggle. He is sprawled out in pain on really an incredible antique bed. And <laughs> he's like, no, guys. It's a trap. The dog is Sirius Black. He's an animagus. And then, ba ba ba, they see motherfucking Sirius Black. He's like crazy looking gaunt, loads of like messy hair, and he's just like a terrifying murder dude. And he's speaking in this like croaky, evil voice. Things are really dramatic. They're like, if you're going to kill Harry, you have to get through us. And he goes, there's only one murder that's going to happen tonight. And it's just like, you want to be like serious. Like, you have to chill the fuck out for yeah. five seconds to tell them what <laughs> is going on. Because you are very, very crazy. So Sirius is being incredibly sketchy. There's a wizard fight where Harry uses his, like, literal fists, not his wand. Oh, because they all, they all get, like, expelliarmist by serious there's like a lot of there's like excessive spell expelliarmusing in these chapters so harry eventually gets the one up on sirius and has his wand pointed at sirius's heart he's contemplating whether he a 13 year old child will commit murder but then crookshanks like runs over and gets on sirius's heart and is like mew mew don't kill him mew and is like purring real loud uh, Crookshanks doesn't actually talk, but, uh, he's just, like, purring. Super purr. It's crazy that Crookshanks is, like, really chilled out, and he, yeah, and he's just purring super loud. So, uh, Harry's like, fuck, do I kill Crookshanks and Sirius now? Anyway, Harry balks at committing a man-slash-cat murder, and Lupin then busts in, and he says... Where is he, Sirius? Ugh, this is like, everything is happening. Uh, yeah, he's like, where is he, Sirius? And then Sirius points to Ron, and then they hug, and Hermione is like, yo, fuck you. I have been protecting you for months. Like, right. oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I hate you. And then she's like, he's a werewolf! Yes, it's everybody's feeling super betrayed by Lupin, who they now think has been working with Sirius this whole time. It's revealed that Lupin's a werewolf. Lupin says, let me explain, and goes off on, you know, sort of a cornerstone monologue, explains that when I was little, I got bitten by a werewolf, I still got to go to school because Dumbledore pulled all these shenanigans which involved hiding me in this shrieking shack on the full moon every month but life didn't suck for me because for the first time i had three great friends james potter sirius black and peter pettigrew so to help lupin bear his monthly transformations the 
gang all decided, let's become animals because, yo, they're wizards. So they became unregistered animaguses. Wait, we haven't said the most important thing. What's the most important thing? We haven't said the fact that the reason Lupin came is because he saw Peter Pettigrew on the Marauders Oh, yeah, map. he saw Peter. So, sorry, there's like so much. Yeah, this this is a lot happened. So I mean, I'm assuming we all kind of, we all get the general. I don't know. General but if you haven't, yeah. if you don't remember this book, if it's been mm-hmm. a while, what happens is Lupin goes to the Shrieking Shack after he's examining the Marauders map and he sees Peter Pettigrew on the map and he's like, what the fuck? That guy died. There's no way. And then he sees Sirius on the map dragging Ron and he's like, some shit is going down and like, I have some ideas about what may have happened, but like, I want to go see for myself. So he follows them through the, um, the fucking, what's it called? The tree. Um, and they're like trying to say that Scabbers is Peter Pettigrew because Peter Pettigrew like became a rat or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, go on with Lupin's story. So there, I think that is that basically all he runs through, and the, the kids are like not really buying it. Yeah, well, they're both they're all all three kids are like you guys are out this, of your yeah, goddamn mind. Oh, there's this one point where Ron's like, ah, uh, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like fucks up his leg even more. Yeah, uh, he's really badly hurt. They explain what happened with Snape. Snape was like obsessed with finding out where Lupin went every month because he's a sniveling bitch. And Sirius told Snape like, oh, like if you follow Madame Pomfrey, like you'll see where he gets taken every month and like all will be revealed. And knowing that like if Snape actually like goes through the um, Whomping Willow Tunnel, like he'll get for sure murdered by werewolf Lupin. And so James like goes back and he's like, no dude, like turn the fuck around, like not a good idea. You know what? We're not gonna tell you everything that happens yeah. in these. Like you need to go read the speech that Lupin gives, but basically like highlights are, he's a werewolf. They became animals to hang out with him when he was a werewolf. <laughs> They're Mooney, Mar- Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. They Peter Pettigrew is, yeah. Peter yeah. Pettigrew is Scabbers, we Snape's think. a bitch. Yeah. So, They're claiming, yes, yes. they claim. So Lupin's like, Let's examine that fucking rat. And then Snape busts through the door. No, he doesn't. Snape had busted through the door oh, like right. like 40 minutes before. They hear the door, the door like open. fly open. Ah, and yeah. Hermione's like, this place is haunted. And they're like, no, it's not actually haunted. And then they get totally off track about what the fuck <laughs> opened the door. And it turns out it was fucking Just Snape tangents. and the fucking invili- invisibility And he cloak. waits till they're talking about him. And they're like, that's why you didn't like Snape. And, and Snape's he's like, like, that's right. Precisely Ugh, unveil. Snape is such a drama queen. And that's what happened in this week's chapters. That was a rough recap. Yeah, sorry, guys. It's like the exposition in this chapter is like, it's very, it's like a frame story, so it's really hard to get to, like, all the action that's taking place in the present, but also all the action that they're describing from the past. Yeah, she does that. Yeah, no, which is good. I mm-hmm. mean, we learn a lot, but it is hard to recap. Yeah. That's fair. Every now and then there's there's chapters in these books where it's like, here is 20 years of events. Oh my god, I know. And this chapter is, for you. this chapter is, like, maybe seven pages long. That's the other crazy thing. Like, the second chapter. Yeah. Mooney Wormtail Padfoot and Prongs is like a really short chapter and you learn everything and you're just like Wah! and then it just like <laughs> ends and in real life it doesn't end because you can keep reading but this is the quibbler motherfuckers and we're just stopping there so my first item on our handy dandy outline of what we're going to talk about just says holy shit yeah everything everything happens so I think we need to talk about this central plot twist I guess there's sort of two central plot twists here. Mm-hmm. I would categorize them as Scabbers as Peter Pettigrew and Lupin as a werewolf and knows Sirius and James and stuff. Because we don't have right. the third plot twist yet. Right. We don't have like the big one. Like these are like kind of like normal size like river trout. We don't have like a marlin yet. Yo, I think. The fact that Scabbers was Peter Pettigrew the whole time is I think, a pretty big deal. I think Sirius is innocent is the biggest one. Right. Spoiler okay, alert. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Those two kind of are in, con- like, they're the same plot twist, but we only get half of it. Which, by the way, is, like, fucking masterful storytelling. Because I have read this book. We've talked about this. I've read this book a dozen times minimum. And I was, like, breathing in short bursts and, like, gripping the book with both hands. 
every fucking time I read the end of this book, I'm just like absolutely on the edge of my seat. It is entrancing. So it's definitely exciting, but I guess something we also have to grapple with here is, does any of this make sense? Yeah, that's the hard thing about having a plot twist this insane is like, it has to be like airtight. And the Scabbers as Peter Pettigrew storyline is hard. Yeah, what, what makes it hard? Well, Scabbers has been in these books for all three years. And at minimum, it's foul. <laughs> like, I think it's interesting because this happens so early on in the series. So we never get to linger on like, just like the fucking horrifying fact of like Harry living in such like close, intimate proximity with like the murderer of his parents or like the, you know, basically the, the person who betrayed his parents and like Scabbers, first of all, ew, he like sits in Ron's pocket, yeah, he say, sleeps he, in his bed. Ron is snuggling with an adult man every night. That's, yeah, that's like the first level of just like fucking ew. And has been since he was like a little boy. Yeah. And like, before that, Percy. Yeah. Which, you know, Percy's tried some weird shit with Scabbers. Oh, just, wait, I don't want to talk about are it. Are you... Yeah, let, let's let not go there. <laughs> Whatever. You're the one that has given Percy all these, like, kinks. That's true. So, anyway, we're going... Okay, Percy's we're not even... Percy's learning about talk. his body while Scabbers is watching. Ew. But, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, Ron sleeps in the bed with this guy every night. Like, ugh, that's disgusting. But then, like, Peter Pettigrew has overheard every conversation Ron, Harry, and Hermione have ever had. Like... He has this, like, enormous amount of intel. And that part, like, we never come back to in the series. Peter Pettigrew is never like, oh, by the way, I literally know fucking everything about Harry Potter's life. He certainly shares that with Voldemort later. I know, but I feel like nothing ever comes of that. And it's like, this, this plot twist is weirdly, like, this is the thing I don't like about it. It's like... It's weirdly compartmentalized, and yeah. I feel like we never return to the fact that Scabbers has been living with Harry for years. Yeah. And how disturbing. Like, Harry never gets to work through that part of it. Yeah, we never really... Return to the fact that Peter really Pettigrew revi- has all this it. really intimate knowledge of Harry's life. I mean, he over, like, think about all the shit he's overheard. Like, Scabbers is there when they're, like, making the Polyjuice Potion. Scabbers is there when Harry is, like, talking to them about, like, the Dementors. Like, Scabbers knows, fucking Pettigrew knows all of this incredibly sensitive, intimate, difficult stuff. And the other thing is, like, Peter Pettigrew is a fucking monster. If he can hear all of that, like, live his life with this little boy... Like, Peter Pettigrew's so much worse if you think about everything he knows about this boy and how he's still, all he cares about is, like, returning to, like, snake-faced Voldy. What a rat bastard. He is the literalist rat bastard. So, uh, does that make this unplausible, though? I I mean... It's hard for me because it's such a good plot twist. And it's, like, one of those things where really, really good plot twists, like, kind of inherently can't make a ton of sense because they like turn the logic of whatever world you're occupying like on its head well it's really satisfying i think because this is like a favorite device of hers and this is the best execution of it i think oh because it's the first one oh you thought so and so was x no, he's been Y the whole fucking time. Uh, even in, like, Fantastic Beasts that happens. <laughs> yeah, to, Where, like, substantially less impactful Psych, avail. the bad guy's been in disguise the whole, the whole time. We, you, um, can't, you, you genuinely can't make, get me started on fucking Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah, like, well, you, we'll get there. We cannot get going <laughs> on that. I will, I will rant. So it's really satisfying here, but I think the fact that she reads, that she uses this device... Again. And again. Yeah. Like right in the next book. It gets a little tired. T- takes takes a little bit away from it. But it's so unbelievable that I mean the kids the kids' disbelief is believable. Yeah, that, that gives it to, some like, realism. That like gives it some heft. 
And whatever. I mean, at some point you have to give space for the kind of book this is. We don't need it to be plausible in our world. Right. Because none of this is plausible in our world. Like, there's suspension of disbelief inherent in this plot twist. But I do think that there are some, like, complicated parts of this plot twist that just, like, don't ever get explored. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't super matter because it's incredible. Right. I don't think... I would not say, in this case, it does not take away from my enjoyment of the book. No. As... Like, it, in book four, I think, the Mad-Eye Moody twist, which is very similar in structure, that does take away from my enjoyment of the book. Yeah, I mean... Because Cabras doesn't actually have... He doesn't speak. He doesn't, like, necessarily have a person... He has, like, kind of a personality. Well, and she does build it up better. Like, Scabbers kind of, like, losing control for the whole book. Like, you, you get a better sense of why Scabbers has been so important in this book. Because the right. other thing is, like... I feel like until this chapter, you're like, why is Scabbers such a thing in their lives all of a sudden? Like, it's a it, it seems like a really incongruous, like, development of the plot. So it does give, like, some satisfying resolution to Scabbers, like, rat troubles. And there's foreshadowing with the, the sneakoscope is constantly going off. Yeah. No, there's plenty of foreshadowing. I don't, I, I don't think this one is terribly done. I just right. think it's, like, it's implausible. Like, on the very face of it, it's implausible. But plot twists are supposed to be implausible enough that they're surprising. Right. And this and one is fucking shocking. It's a big old surprise. Ugh. It's, it is, it's really, it's exciting, too. And it is one of those twists where you want to go back and, like, look at everything that kind of, like, led up to it. Mm-hmm. Like, even how long the rat has been in Scabbers, or how long the rat has been in the Weasley family. Like, it's, they've had it for exactly 12 years. Like, they've had it. Basically, since, like, the day Peter Pettigrew was quote-unquote murdered. Yo, that pet store lady is shitty at her job. Oh, my God. She took one look at that rat, and she was like, this is a normal-ass rat. And it's like, no, this is a man. And he says, we've had it for 12 years. And then she's like, oh, well, rats don't live that long. It's like, like that this didn't raise does? any yeah. suspicions. You- You're not like, wow, <laughs> this rat has literally lived, like, six times as long as a rat of his type should. We were at the Brooklyn Cat Cafe yesterday and they used to have this rat that lived in the kitten terrarium with the kittens. Ivory. Ivory was the kitten's roommate and Ivory passed away. And the employee told us, well, rats don't live much longer than three years. Right. So like, yeah. Even the Brooklyn Cat Cafe guy would have been like, there's something like up. Yeah, magical menagerie lady is like, if this is a normal rat, like it should have been dead 10 years ago. And it's kind of like, maybe we should look into that then? Yeah, they should give her like a bad Yelp review or something. Yeah, she might not be well equipped to continue to (laughs) run a pet store. That's such a good point. And then, okay, the other thing is the Lupin is a werewolf, which is much more plausible and and, um, like kind of a a smaller reveal, but still a big interesting reveal. Lupin. You do. I like that Hermione figured it out. Yes. I mean, it's just like in keeping with her like ability to like just always know shit and nobody gives her any credit. He does tell her she's the cleverest witch of her age he's ever met. But I think she's more than clever. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I just don't think she ever gets enough credit. That's just a complaint I'm going to have forever. Because she also doesn't rat him out. Ha <laughs> ha. Rat him out. <laughs> Which I think says a lot about her. Another thing about these chapters is they just get fucked up. Oh my god, there's like serious carnage. Ron is really, really, really badly hurt. Ron! Harry shouted, trying to follow, but the heavy branch whipped lethally through the air, and he was forced backward again. All they could see now was one of Ron's legs, which he had hooked around a root in an effort to stop the dog from pulling him farther underground. But a horrible crack cut the air like a gunshot. Ron's leg had broken, and a moment later his foot vanished from sight. Harry, we've got to go for help, Hermione gasped. She was bleeding too. The willow had cut her across the shoulder. No, that thing's big enough to eat him. We haven't got time. Harry, we're never going to get through without help. Another branch whipped down at them, twigs clenched like knuckles. If that dog can get in, we can, Harry panted, darting here and there, trying to find a way through the vicious, swishing branches. But he couldn't get an inch nearer to the tree roots without being in range of the tree's blows. 
Yeah, he, his leg's broken. Everybody else has, like, multiple, like, abrasions and head wounds. No, and, they're uh, all fucked up. Well, I'm like... There's a lot of physical descriptions of, yeah. like, the beating they're taking. It's, like, it's really wor- well written. It's worse when they, than when they have to, like, play murder chess. It is. Poor Ron always bears kind of, like, the physical brunt. <laughs> um, it's because he has to, like, pull his weight somehow. Yeah, he's kind he's of a muscle. He's just a sponge for pain. But he's basically. really brave. Yeah. I mean, like, he's lying there on the bed, like, really, really, really brave. Trying valiantly to, like, be a part of the action. I'm also kind of, I mean, whatever. I get that Sirius, like, is kind of bonkers right now and, like, single-minded. But, like, Sirius really badly hurts this kid. Yeah. And I think he should, like, bear some culpability I, for he's that. A, he's a dog. He apologizes. That's not really enough. Yeah. I guess in the wizarding world, it's fine because, like, you can heal bones in, like, a minute. I know. But still, like, Ron is an excruci- serious has rabies. But, I mean, it's isn't like- it one of those things where, like, you could just, like, maybe point a wand at Ron and be, like... Fix him up? Yeah. Reparify or whatever? No, but, or, like, well, we've talked about this, like, do they have any kind of pain management? But, like, I feel like somebody could take five seconds to, like, fix Ron so that he's not going through this incredibly traumatic ordeal while also in, like, excruciating pain. Maybe medical spells are quite difficult. Lupin seems like he should be able to do one. That's true. Lupin shows up and, like, pays almost no mind to Ron. Lupin's, like... No, wait, that's not true. There's this moment where he moves toward Ron looking concerned and Ron goes, get away from me, werewolf. Oh, yeah. So... Oh, damn. It's... Prejudice, man. Werewolf prejudice. Yeah, that sucks. That's oh, really, really rude of Ron. Oh, man. To be fair, Lupin seems like a really bad guy in that scene, yeah. but it's not because he's a werewolf. Yeah. Ron's just, like, gonna pass out from shock. Poor Ron. Of, uh... Yeah. It's... He's having a truly upsetting time. Also, like, his pet is evil. <laughs> Maybe. Like, that's traumatic. I'm surprised he was able to hold on to Scabbers this whole time. I mean, Scabbers is really weak. That's true. Is the other thing. Like, Scabbers is, like, in a pretty bad way. He's in a bad place. Which he deserves to be, but still. Yeah, Scabbers isn't, like, super effective as a rat. So, Harry has this really remarkable moment where he has to basically decide whether to murder Sirius Black. I guess the first thing I thought was, does he know how to do that yet? Because they'd covered the killing curse in the next book. That's actually a question I had, like, could he kill him with his wand? I guess... I don't think he knows a spell to kill anyone. Maybe he there's spells he could do that would, like, have the effect of physically killing you instead of, like, the insta-kill of... I mean, he could, like, light him curse. on fire. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking... I was thinking uh, the ways he could kill him with his wand is probably far worse than saying Avada Kedavra. Yeah, and, the like, only things he death. knows how to... Yeah, the only things he knows how to do would be, like way more painful for Sirius than... Uh, he just physically kills him with his wand? He just, like, gouges his eyes out? Yeah, just, I like, mean... puts it in his brain? Oh, that would be actually kind of fucking cool. Like, That'd be no. horrifying! No, it would be, but, like, if this were, like, an action Yeah, if this flick, was, uh... If this was, like, like a, a, kill a Tarantino film? Yeah, yeah, if this was, like, a Kill Bill. <laughs> Harry just impales Sirius's... But my first thought was, like, you could... All I can think of him being able to do is lighting him on fire. Ugh. Or like I, but seriously, like he yeah. doesn't know that much magic. He certainly doesn't know like the killing curse. Well, well, Harry's gonna just like say. I'm assuming Harry is just gonna say things until it like kills him. Yeah. But um. But that's not the point. Well, no, that's part of the point. I that is a the first question that came into my mind when he's like, I could kill him. I could kill him right now. Is I'm like, girl, could you? But he doesn't. Well, partly he doesn't because Crookshanks, like you said, lands on him. And I think it's a really interesting thing to think about the extent to which Harry really balks at killing this, like, not even innocent animal. Right. Like, he's like, Crookshanks has been in league with Sirius this whole time. Like, Harry thinks that. He's been pretty clearly, he's seen him with the dog. Yeah. But still, like, something about him is really, really, really backing off of the idea of, like, murdering this cat, which I think is beautiful yeah harry just has this innate it's not gentleness but this innate morality yeah he's a sense of justice and i think he i think it's not just the cat I no think he doesn't cat, want to kill someone right i think yeah the cat gives him a chance to think about it and you kind of see this in the traject like the hero arc of a lot of 
characters where they make this decision not to kill for vengeance. Like, but I'm the thinking... fact that this particular hero is 13. Yeah. I mean, and sort of is still like master of his emotions to that extent. The other thing that was that I that really struck me is he has this line in his kind of internal monologue where he's like this was the for the first time he wanted to use his wand not to defend himself but to kill. And I'm like considering you've been up against Voldemort twice, the fact that you've never wanted to do anything but defend yourself from harm before says an enormous amount about your character. Right. Like he's not a vengeful person at all no you know and i think that's like very gryffindory of him because he's brave enough not to need to use that kind of like force in order to win he just wants to like get out of there and like make sure no one gets hurt yeah so when he was like yeah i've never felt the need to kill before it's like wow you didn't want to kill like tom riddle even a little I mean, you did kill him, but you only killed him because he was about to kill you. This is really, I'm thinking through, there are very few times when Harry straight up is going to attack someone. There's like the Sectum Sempra moment in book six going way forward, which is a really powerful moment. And is a moment where Harry really loses himself. Mm -hmm. Because I think Harry's essential self is certainly not nonviolent, but... He doesn't have that, like, cruelty or callousness in him. Like, he doesn't, he's not a killer. No. And it's, um, it's really interesting how looking at that scene through a couple of different, like, plot lenses, like, tells you different things. Because before you know the truth about Sirius, Sirius seems to be, like, mocking him. Right. And Harry feels this deep sense of shame that even face to face with this man who's like he's this man who's laughing at him and he's who's like are you going to kill me Harry like go ahead it seems like he's it seems like he's mocking Harry and Harry's like god even with all of that I couldn't do it but in reality Sirius is having this like equally complex moment where he's like I deserve this from this kid going to kill me Harry he whispered Harry stopped right above him, his wand still pointing at Black's chest, looking down at him. A livid bruise was rising around Black's left eye, and his nose was bleeding. You killed my parents, said Harry, his voice shaking slightly, but his wand hand quite steady. Black stared up at him out of those sunken eyes. I don't deny it he said very quietly. But if you knew the whole story... The whole story? Harry repeated, a furious pounding in his ears. You sold them to Voldemort. That's all I need to know. You've got to listen to me, Black said, and there was a note of urgency in his voice now. You'll regret it if you don't. You don't understand. I understand a lot better than you think, said Harry and his voice shook more than ever. You never heard her, did you? My mum, trying to stop Voldemort killing me, and you did that. You did it. The other thing that I think is, like, interesting is Harry and Sirius really do have this bond. And Dumbledore talks a lot throughout the books about the kind of unseen bonds of love. And I think part of what happens there is, like, Harry doesn't know it, but Sirius loves Harry. Sirius loves Harry immensely. Sirius probably loves Harry more than anyone else alive in these books. Yeah. And I think that's part of what stops Harry. And I think he later kind of comes to understand that he can feel something from Sirius that gives him pause. And I know he would never have been able to identify in that moment, but Sirius is like, has more profound care for Harry than basically anyone else and feels like he deserves Harry's he deserves to be killed by Harry so that's so intense damn but he says that 
Yeah. And I th- I also think, like, that's a little bit self-involved of him. Like, he's like, I may as well have killed them. It's like, no. It's like, dude, just get to the point. Just like... Quit <sighs> being so sketchy. Yeah, stop being so sketchy. But he's also been tortured for 13 years. Yeah. So you can kind of cut him for some 12, slack. 12 years, I guess. Harry was one. Okay, you're right. 12 years. 12 years. I'm 12 sorry. years in um, ass cabin. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's that. And then Lupin shows up. To kind of explain things in a very roundabout, long-winded way. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of like, it's a little bit like Lupin, like, they might not need the whole story right now. Lupin's like, chapter one, I, I was, was born. born. <laughs> David, the David, they get the David Copperfield version. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about... About Lupin's childhood and the decisions that get made there. Mm-hmm. So Dumbledore, hmm, I have some conflicting thoughts on this. It's amazing that Dumbledore tries to find a way to have a child who's like basically suffering from a crazy, like stigmatizing condition come to school. That's really laudable. But then he comes up with a batshit crazy Dumbledore plan. It's like you can't just make like a padded room in the castle. You found a way to accommodate a three-headed dog like years later. Why do we have to, we have to like find, we have to like buy a murder willow, put it over. We're, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine the pitch at the staff meeting. It's like, so we're going to get this tree that punches people, <laughs> put it over a tunnel that we're going to dig. <laughs> to a house overlooking Hogsmeade. We're going to tell the villagers that it's haunted AF. but And just hope they believe it and put nothing else in place <laughs> to prevent them. Like, teenagers would have been there on day one. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. He's like, yeah, and for, you know, all these years, for like 30 years, nobody's gone into the Shrieking Shack. It's like 0% possible. Like, <laughs> fucking just, like, Hogsmeade townies would have been breaking into that house the first fucking time they heard a werewolf in there. Like, there is no way that villagers one. are like, oh, better stay away from there. Seems like something sketchy's going down. Like, have you ever met teens? He can't break out of the house. It has windows. Yeah, it's like a fucking regular-ass house. I'm gonna put a wolf monster in it? It's... This is a terrible plan. It's the worst plan I can possibly conceive This is a terrible plan. Put him in the dungeons. Lock the door. Yeah, just put him in a locked room. You know, and and like maybe maybe put some restraints on the, put a muzzle on the wolf, man. He's like biting himself. I know that's, that's like, that part makes me really sad. What the fuck, Dumbledore? There are better ways to do this. I know. Laudable goal, terrible execution. Yeah, so what I wrote down is that Dumbledore basically has a like a werewolf IEP, which is an IEP is like I think it stands for individual education plan, but it's basically what like teachers and support staff and principals like put together for kids that have like any kind of like severe learning or behavioral or cognitive um, challenges that make it hard for them to like learn in school like with their peers. So like an IEP is you know if you're a kid that even, you know, if you have dyslexia, like, it's the plan for how to yeah. make sure that, like, you differentiate instruction so that, like, you can read. Right. So Dumbledore's IEP, I mean, should get him fired. <laughs> like, <laughs> I agree with you that it's really laudable. Like, D- Dumbledore, let's give him some credit, he's an incredibly just man. Like, he doesn't think it's fair that that's this kid who, you know, has no control over the fact that he has this condition, who was bit as a little boy, who's had all this horrible stuff happen to him, who didn't, whose parents didn't think he could ever be educated, which would have made his life infinitely worse, Mm -hmm. even as a werewolf. He's like, no, we got to figure out a way that this, like, is fair and safe. And then he super fucking doesn't. (laughs) It's like, no, Dumbledore's like, okay, we got this plan, but let's make it, like, more fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be interesting, guys. And The other way, the logical way is too boring for me. Yeah, um, so I totally agree with you. But then let's talk about Lupin's choices. Yes. Because, like, Lupin also makes... I feel like Lupin is haunted throughout the series by 
the specter of the the dangerous things that he subjected his friends and like his fellow Hogwarts Hogwarts students to. Yes. So the Animagus thing it, like was insane. It's such a teen boy plan. Yes. They're like instead of leaving you alone for like 5 days out of every month, what if we all became beasts and just like kind of keep you in check and they're like yeah no sounds great you can probably do that i'm a werewolf but like also like if a werewolf bites a human in animal form no it says that the werewolves aren't interested in other animals but like say it accidentally bites like say they're like play fighting which it seems like the kind of shit Sirius would be up to Sirius would be like i'm a dog now let's like play fight with my wolf friend <laughs> like doesn't that sound like serious so what if they're like just like wrestling and Lupin accidentally bites Sirius? Like Sirius becomes a werewolf, right? I don't know. Apparently this not. This is so unsafe. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, it is a teen boy plan. And he, sa- he says that there's like close calls and then they kind of laugh it off later because they're just having too much fun. So it's yeah. like the risk. Makes it more fun. Yeah. And uh, it's relatable, you know. When you do things that are really stupid as a kid. And and then you're like, really haunted by that. Thank God they worked out. So that's one thing. But then the thing that I think it makes Lupin truly morally compromised. And I think he knows this. And I well, think he, says is, so. he says so. Is the fact that then as an adult, when Sirius becomes like a world renowned murderer and then escapes from prison, Lupin doesn't fucking tell anyone that Sirius can turn into a dog. Lupin's face had hardened, and there was self-disgust in his voice. All this year I have been battling with myself, wondering whether I should tell Dumbledore that Sirius was an Animagus. But I didn't do it. Why? Because I was too cowardly. It would have meant admitting that I'd betrayed his trust while I was at school, admitting that I'd led others along with me. And Dumbledore's trust has meant everything to me. He let me into Hogwarts as a boy, and he gave me a job when I have been shunned all my adult life, unable to find paid work because of what I am. And so I convinced myself that Sirius was getting into the school using dark arts he learnt from Voldemort, that being an Animagus had nothing to do with it. So, in a way, Snape's been right about me all along. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Part of me believes that Lupin, in his heart of heart, doesn't think Sirius did what he's accused of. Mm -hmm. Because he's really, really quick to believe Sirius's totally apeshit story. Without even being told the story. He comes into the room. He's like, Sirius, where is he? We see it on the map, and the map doesn't lie. I know, I know. But... Peter Pettigrew being alive doesn't mean that Sirius didn't do what he said he did. It just means that Peter somehow escaped it. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, but they just have this super short exchange where Lupin is basically like, oh, unless you switched. And Sirius is like, exactly. And then Lupin's like, got it. Let's kill that rat. (laughs) Like, Lupin's very, very quick to believe that Sirius didn't do it, which to me says that I don't think he has ever believed it in his heart. Which is fair. It's his best friend. And it's not true. Like, he's right. But it has caused him to make a very... um, And God, how complicated for Lupin because it's like choosing between like the memory and the physical progeny of one best friend or like the innocence of and like kind of belief in the other best friend. Like, Lupin is in a crazy emotional situation here. Yes. He's like, do I protect James's memory and James's son and believe this horrible thing about my best friend? Or do I believe my best friend at the, like, incurring the danger that what he is accused of is true and he's going to kill my other best friend's kid? What the fuck? Poor Lupin. Yeah. Man, his life has been hard. Right. So he doesn't tell the ministry that he doesn't Sirius even tell Dumbledore. Or Dumbledore. And then he doesn't say that 
Sirius knows all these ways into the castle. And he doesn't hand over the map. map. Yeah. He gets the map back and he doesn't hand it over. Because he feels ashamed of what he did in high school, basically. Because he'd been abusing Dumbledore's trust, who'd gone out on a limb, a literal limb, with the (laughs) wanting willow. Lots of punching limbs. He'd gone out a punching limb to accommodate him and bring him to school. So Lupin says, in a way, Snape was right about me. Snape had been arguing that he I think wasn't, Snape is totally right about it. He him. wasn't trustworthy and he shouldn't be appointed. It's like to we talked school. about last week. Like Snape isn't wrong. Right. Almost ever. Like Snape is really, really, really intuitive and insightful. He's just horrible. Right. So Lupin wasn't actively helping Sirius in his endeavors. But he was passively helping him. Right. I mean his his lack of action helped Sirius. I like the theory that he didn't quite believe that Sirius was guilty. I think it seems pretty clear in all of his early interactions with like Sirius right when Sirius comes back that Lupin didn't. He's very it's very easy for him to like to believe right. that Sirius didn't do so it. So I guess I thought is he's protecting himself and he knows that if he tells the ministry that after Sirius is apprehended that he's an Animagus, there's going to be all these questions, and he's a werewolf. But you know what I think? it's going to put him in, it, like, it's going to put him in a jam. But he could tell Dumbledore. Yeah. Because Dumbledore doesn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> like, I honestly think it would have been fine for Lupin to tell Dumbledore. I think Lupin is misreading Dumbledore. Oh, first of all, Dumbledore knows. He must. He knows everything. He, does, no, he, doesn't, he doesn't know Sirius is innocent. He, I don't think so. I guess not. Um, I think he knows that they're animaguses. I don't know. Well, we have to... I feel like we find out in later chapters. Yeah, like, we'll spin it forward. We'll, we'll revisit this. Okay. But. Dumbledore's impossible to surprise. Right. I think Lupin could tell Dumbledore basically anything, and Dumbledore would be like... We'll fix it. Like, <laughs> Dumbledore doesn't seem like somebody that you can be like, hey, here's something crazy. And he's like, yo, that is crazy. He's like, ah, Miss Granger, do you have your time machine? Perhaps we can save a hippogriff. <laughs> like, I mean, Dumbledore's such fundamental bullshit yeah. that I don't think, I think Lupin could easily have told Dumbledore. And I think Lupin. If he, like, searched his heart, I think he knows that he could tell Dumbledore and he just doesn't want to because he's embarrassed, which right. is fair. Right. But, I mean, it puts a lot of people in a lot of danger and um, Lupin does have to reckon with that. Yeah. And I think he, to be fair to him, to be very fair to him because he's wonderful and I love this character, he does reckon with it. And I think he struggles with it for every day for the rest of his um, sadly short life. Spoiler alert. So let's talk a bit about the trio, the younger trio, the pre, I don't know, the prequel trio, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're not, there's no prequels, but uh, of James, Sirius, and Lupin, and I guess. I don't really p- count Pettigrew. It doesn't seem like Pettigrew, Pettigrew seems like he just was like along for the ride. Yeah. As they compare to the our central trio. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because everybody tells Harry that he's a lot like his father, but I don't really buy that. He's got some of his father's, like, recklessness and arrogance, but Harry is a lot more careful with the needs of other people. James legitimately sounds like a horrible, horrible young man. Like, James sounds awful. Very do it for the story. Yeah, and I I understand Harry, like, defending his father's legacy, and I'm sure that James was, like, a delightful person if you were friends with him, but James and Sirius sound like dickbags. So Sirius literally tries to get... Snape murdered, kind of, or can put him. I don't know if Snape. I don't know if Sirius thought that's what would happen, but it. The, I think it was pretty, pretty fucking dangerous to send him after, to send him after Lupin. I think this is what something we can chalk up to like a teen boy decision of like not thinking too hard about right. the consequences, but also like he doesn't say like he doesn't like tell Snape like you should do this or like oh I dare you to he basically like plays into Snape's like really really obnoxious desire to like fucking catch Lupin in the act he's like man like if you really want to know like I can tell you where to find him but like you know it's fucked up and Snape is like no I'm doing it (laughs) 
So like he does play into Snape's like very essential right, character. Right. So flaw. they all have they all have some culpability. Oh yeah, I think all of them. And they're also they're just kids. They're teenagers. They're yeah. idiots. But it is interesting to see how much more careful with the sort of like feelings and safety of other people our current trio is. I also I mean, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that they have a girl around. Yeah, I think you're right. Hermione, we've only gotten to talk a lot about Hermione and Ron in this episode, but Hermione and Ron, like, just, they're both behaving pretty admirably Mm -hmm. in this whole thing. They're both incredibly brave. They're super present for Harry. They are just like, whatever you need right now, including literally us dead, like, we're here. We're, like, with you till the end. Yeah. Both of them say, like, if you want to kill Harry, you will have to kill us first. Right. Which, like, ugh, just cry now, cry later, cry forever at those three. So they're they're better people. And it's kind of like the dream. Like, your children are better than you. Um, I think James would be proud of Harry. Yeah, absolutely. I think Lily would be crazy proud of Harry. Mm-hmm. Because Lily seems like a good person, even as a young woman. But I do think that there's also just, like, a privilege gap. Yeah. Like, Sirius and James in particular are just, like, Spoiled rich kids, basically. Like spoiled white rich wizard boys who like just think that they can do whatever they want because they're like clever and jockish and fun. But they have a essentially humane streak because they take a werewolf into their oh yeah. Club. I don't. I mean, they're not awful. Yeah, they're not villains, but you can just tell that they're douchey because you can also tell that they partly think it's like cool that he's a werewolf. Yeah. Like, they don't seem to have as deep an understanding as maybe they could of, like, the actual pain that Lupin experiences as a werewolf. They're kind of like, this is a really good opportunity to be, like, just, like, cool animal guys. You know? Yeah. So what would what animal would you turn into if you could learn to become an animal? I would be some kind of bird. That's what I was thinking. It seems obvious to learn to fly. None of them learn to fly. Well, I mean, it makes sense that because they have to be able to, like, well, fucking Peter oh. Pettigrew is useless. But they have to be able to, like, subdue a wolf somehow. That's true. Also, they have brooms that can fly, so, like... Yeah, but they're not, like... I don't know. I, I think I would be some kind of a bird. What would you be? What kind of... I was going to say, like, an eagle or something. Oh, I think I'd be a smaller bird. Really? Like, why, why a smaller bird? I don't know, because they can, like, sort of hide and, like, be wherever and sing and they're pretty. Eagles and falcons can, like, read a newspaper across a football field. Okay, you can be an eagle. I think I would be, like, maybe I'd be a shrike. (laughs) Shrikes do fucked up things. I think that would be fun. Maybe some kind of, no one's ever like an aquatic onomagus. That would be cool too, but I wonder to what extent you get the ability to like live underwater as an onomagus. I don't know. I think I'd be a bird. Presumably. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We'd have to ask Hermione Rod's because she's the only one rat. who did her homework That's and knows true. what an animagus is. It'd be a blue whale. That would be baller. Be gigantic. I would be the, maybe, <laughs> maybe I would just be the giant squid. Yeah. And I would become its girlfriend. It is an animagus. And we'd fall in love. No, that's a real squid, but that's going to be my boyfriend squid. Fair enough. Well, clearly as an animagus, you can communicate with other animals because like Sirius strikes up this actually fairly cute friendship with Crookshanks. Like, can we talk for just five seconds about the fact that it's adorable that he gets this like weird best friend Dogs in this book? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. No, but really, it's cute. They like chill. Yeah, I know. They're Harry boys. wakes up in the Quidditch final chapter and he just sees them like fucking mincing across the lawn together and he's like, okay, that can't be like an omen of death. Is that just fucking Crookshanks' weird friend? Unlikely animal friendships. Oh my God. Yeah. Murderer man dog yeah. plus fucking spooky ass cat. Yeah. Yeah. Mensa cat or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how Crookshanks is such a perfect pet for Hermione. Like smartest witch, smartest cat. Yeah. Hanging out together. But Crookshanks really like he does have an affection for Hermione. It's yes. actually really interesting how Hermione feels really betrayed by Crookshanks. Yes. When she realizes that he's been like co- like collabing with serious she's like oh fuck that's my cat <laughs> that makes me sad it is that that part is that part is weirdly wrenching which yeah is like man i put i put a lot of uh stuff I, I stuck up for you man well and you you're put a literally lot of- aiding and abetting a murderer well Thanks. you put a lot of care into your pets mm-hmm. like if you found out that your pet was like helping like jeffrey dahmer you would be like fuck <laughs> me 
now I can't like this cat anymore. Well, it's like she's been. It's like far surpasses the worst things Ron has ever said about Crookshanks. Like Crookshank, like he's just like you're just a bugger or whatever. But yeah, and Hermione, he's like you fucking traitor. Yeah. That's a kind. That is a weirdly sad moment. Uh, Crookshanks brings a lot of pathos to this scene, because there is. I mean, we've talked about it before, but like the, the the energy of sort of like an innocent or like non-human sort of bystander in these scenes makes it really like I don't know. It just like adds a dimension that's really interesting. Yeah. Um. Okay. One last quibble. We talked about this last week, but like it gets so much worse. Harry Potter, listen to me right now fucking stop leaving the invisibility cloak lying around because that is how fucking Snape gets in and he is about to make things so much harder. They were getting beaten by a tree. You know what? I don't just fucking hang on to it (laughs) for dear life. If anything, get under it while you're getting beaten by that. I don't know. Do not leave that thing out. You idiot. Pro, yeah. Pro tip. (sighs) I'm so sick of that. I'm just really annoyed with it. Because Snape ruins everything. <laughs> like, Snape fucks things up so badly in the next chapter. And it's just because he has that cloak. So, who's your unsung hero for oh. these chapters? <laughs> Ironically enough, my unsung hero is Snape. Really? I'm going to give him a tiny bit of credit. He's my unsung anti-hero. Okay. He doesn't, he finds out that Lupin is a werewolf as a kid. And he doesn't tell anyone. Um, which I think is shows a lot of, at very least, restraint. I don't think Snape is a, a, a good or an admirable person. But he has some personal fortitude. He seems to keep his word. He keeps his word. Else. Yeah. He keeps his word. He's not a liar. Um, and he also makes the Wolfsbane potion for Lupin. Never refuses to. He doesn't make it gladly, but he makes it willingly. Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem to want Lupin to, like, die. Because he could easily kill Lupin. Oh, yeah. In any of those scenes. like Yeah, but then Dumbledore would, like, be on his ass. Dumbledore doesn't care what Snape does because they're in this, like, weird, freaky, like, fraternity of, like, maybe you'll kill me someday if the time comes. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. Like, Dumbledore, t- Snape could do anything. Snape does do essentially anything. And Dumbledore is just like, okay. That's one of the weirder relationships in this book. They do have one of the most complicated relationships in the series. So I think it would actually probably not be the biggest deal. The thing that's crazy about Dumbledore is everybody can get away with anything. You know, Dumbledore doesn't care what anyone does as long as it doesn't interfere with his like crazy long-term plans <laughs> for like fattening up Harry like a moral pig. Ugh. Sorry. Yeah, I don't love Dumbledore. <laughs> Who's your unsung hero? Mine would be Crookshanks for all the reasons we've discussed and then he's basically a feline shield. He is. Yeah, he's real brave. But he keeps his cool. Because he's still purring, being real cute. He's not that cute. He's. I That's love true. it how often they describe him as having like a squished face. Right, because he's whatever that breed is. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. He's like a pretty unappealing little cat, but we love him. <laughs> but we love him. Um. All right. Well, next week is going to get real as fuck, but that's it for me for now. This week's episode is brought to you by the Wolfsbane Potion. Side effects may include... Endless retching. The audio clips that you heard are courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio. They are from Jim Dale's performance of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Please rate our podcast. Um, We got a couple more this week, but we haven't made it to the 50 ratings and 30 reviews that we were hoping for. So um, help us get there, please. Help us catch up. And um, subscribe as well so that you don't have to go and manually download it every week, which would be very stupid. And I hope none of you are doing that. Um, You're not stupid. It's just, it's easier if you subscribe. And then I have one more request, which is that you tell a friend about this podcast. If you have somebody that you hang out with who you know loves Harry Potter and um, curses like a sailor and you think that this could bring their interests together in a beautiful symbiosis, then tell them about this podcast. Um, We 
love you guys. It's amazing having such cool and interesting listeners and we'd love to add to that. So tell your fun Harry Potter nerd friends all about the Quibbler, please. We're on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to find us there, at Quibbler Podcast. There's also a newsletter, tinyletter.com slash Quibbler Podcast. Next week, we are reading, it is the penultimate episode of the book version of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. There will, of course, also be a movie mini. But next week, we are reading the chapters called The Servant of Lord Voldemort and The Dementor's Kiss, which is not as romantic as you might think. So tune in for that. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, amigos. You're nutters, both of you, said Ron shakily, looking round at Harry and Hermione for support. I've had enough of this. I'm off. All right, that does it. Screw you guys. I'm going home. I don't have to take this. I'm going home.